Welcome to Twice Born Podcasts. My name is Mike Bailey. Thank you so much for listening. We'd love to get your feedback, and if you have any questions, please go to twiceborn.net. You can also find us on social media. I hope that you find this podcast helpful and informative. God bless. Today we're going to talk about finding your purpose in your passion. Finding your purpose in your passion. Now, when I was growing up, uh, when I was probably uh, 10 or 11 years old, uh, we lived in uh, State College, Pennsylvania, and we watched uh, Penn State football. And if you don't know, Penn State, they have a stadium that holds about 100,000 people. And so it's a big event, and a lot of people get really excited about it. And so at a young age, I was watching football, and I was watching sports, and and it was something that stirred within me that built a passion for it. And uh, you know something that you're passionate about if you're willing to sit down and watch it for hours on end and never get enough of it, right? And and once it's over, you're looking forward to it for the next week or the next season because it's something you're passionate about. And so as I was growing up, and you can go to the next slide, please, is uh, passions, we all have them, right? They all motivate us. They all kind of give us goals and they, they move us along. But for me personally, my passion was football. So you can go to the next slide. (laughs) The passion for football. Nope. Yep, there we go. Uh, Many of you remember last year, Georgia versus Alabama for the national title game. And a lot of people were really excited about that game. And, you know, just the commitment level of those who love football, it just astounds me. They get up really early, sometimes a few days in advance. They get all their food organized. They get their outfits organized. Some of them get body paint organized so that on game day they can get all set and ready to go. How many of you know someone like this that's very committed? All right. How many of you know that there are people like this? How many of you, no matter what I ask you, you will never raise your hand for a response? All right. Thank you for your honesty. You raised your hand. I tricked you. Uh, But the point is, we all know someone that's passionate about something. And somehow, don't they find a way to bring it up in the conversation, when even when you're not even talking anything about that subject, somehow they find a way, whether it's hunting, whether it's NASCAR or football or quilting or something, right, food, a restaurant, somehow it always comes back to that topic because they're passionate about it. And do you know and do we recognize that God has given us passions? These are God-given things. These are part of our created purpose, is our passion. Your passion wasn't a mistake. Your passion isn't an accident. Your passions are given to you on purpose. Unfortunately, your passions can also become your idols. And I look back at the years where football was so important or sports was so important, and that was an idol. It was taking up all my time, all my energy, all of the things that, that we call worship. I was worshiping something that wasn't the one true God. And so we need to recognize passions are good, but passions can be misused. And one of the ways that God's worked in my life, you can go to the next slide, is, is that he's began to change those passions. And now, uh, serving people and sharing the gospel and helping those in need are the things that I, I believe God is stirring in the life of this church and my life, the desire to share the gospel, the desire to bring healing and hope to places that are in despair, the desire for the children of this neighborhood and the families of this neighborhood to come to Christ and to live for Christ and to have healthy marriages and have healthy families and that we would be a healthy community because we're gospel-centered, because Christ is leading us as a community. And so the passion of living out the purpose of the church, of living out the calling on our lives, 
that my prayer is that your passion has been maturing over your life and that it went maybe from a selfish passion now to a passion to live for the Lord, a passion to live for the things of the Lord, the passion to share the Lord. And so my question as we look to God's word and we ask him to share with us the truth is what is your passion? If you were to write down, what are you passionate about? Do you have any passions? What has God created within you? That passion that defines you and helps you to find your purpose of what he put you here to do. We're going to ask God to lead us and guide us in this conversation. And so let's precede his word in prayer. Father God, we thank you for this is the day you've created. And we will rejoice and be glad in it because we know that you created it for us. And you created it for your glory and for your worship. And so Lord, we ask as we look to your word that these would be moments where heaven and earth collide and we connect and, we, uh, and we're in tuning our antennas to your Holy Spirit so that we can understand why we're here and what we're to be doing and how we're to live in love with you and to love the world the way you do. And so, Lord, I just ask as we dive into your word that you would speak into our passions, Lord, and that if we don't have any passions, that you would stir those in our hearts. If we do have passions, Lord, that they would be directed in the right direction. And, Lord, as we look at those that you've put in our lives, our family members, those that we work with, those that we live near, that we would encourage them to be passionate about you as well and that they would see our passion and they would want the same passion in their life. And so, Lord, I pray that you'd bless this conversation, you'd bless your words, that, Lord, they would uh, impact us in a new way, a fresh way today, that we would live them out, that we wouldn't be hearers but doers of your word, and help us to be faithful stewards of the lives you've given us. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. As we move to look at the issue of our passions, that we all recognize that that word passion is, uh, is, you know, can be misused in our culture and our world. Uh, one of the interesting things for me is when we move to this area and I get to know people and they're like, you know, Daytona Beach is a unique place. And they said Daytona Beach is the place you go if you're running away from God or you're getting ready to meet God, <laughs> right? And so Daytona Beach has this unique uh, kind of feel to it. There's a lot of people here that are seeking pleasure. There's a lot of people here who are seeking peace and quiet. And a lot of times those things don't work out too well together because the pleasure wants to be loud all night and party the night away. And the peace and quiet wants peace and quiet, right? And so our passions impact us, especially here in our area. And uh, as a parent and maybe as a grandparent, you've experienced what I've experienced recently. One of the hardest things, one of the most uh, irritating things for me is when you're driving along in the car and there's a bumper sticker or a sticker on the car in front of you that is inappropriate and you're sitting there at the stoplight and you have children with you and you're just looking at this bumper sticker thinking, why did we have to get behind this car? <laughs> Why did this person think this was a good idea to put this bumper sticker? Now I have to deal with it, right? I have to say something to help navigate in an appropriate way. Well, we were driving the other day, and we were stopped at a stoplight, and there was a car in front of us, and it had a, uh, a fishing hook, and, then, and it was the silhouette of a woman inappropriately, uh, in an inappropriate stance on the fishing hook. And I looked at that, and I said, why in the world would you think that that was a good idea to put that on your bumper sticker, on the sticker that you're revealing to the world, this is who I am. I'm going to pray for that person. I hope they come to Christ. I love them. But I wonder why they did that. But the Holy Spirit kind of tapped me on the shoulder and said, hey, Mike, unfortunately, this person has revealed a truth and they didn't even recognize it. Right? Think about it. 
a woman on a fishing hook. What do fishing hooks do? They are a trap to kill the fish, right? The purpose of the hook is to inflame the passion of the fish and its hunger to eat whatever's on that hook. And that hook, it, it uh, puts itself or it, it impales itself into the fish's mouth so that that fish gets trapped and is pulled up and then is sliced and diced and turned into dinner, right? And so when I was thinking about this imagery, all I could think about is the fact that this is a good image of how the passions of flesh work. The, the enemy puts out these images, puts out this view of sexuality and sex, and it makes it look so appealing, but really all it is is a, is a it's bait for a hook. And the hook is to bring your life into destruction. The hook is to pull your life into despair. And so as we think about the passions of this world, we recognize that there are obviously passions we have because of our sinful nature, our flesh, that are unhealthy and not good passions. Romans 7, 5 says this, For when we were in the flesh, the sinful passions aroused through the law were working in us, bearing fruit for death. And so there's passions that lead to death. And it says there's a time in your life when you don't know Christ, you're not twice born, you haven't repented and believed, where your flesh is in control. Your, your spirit, the spirit of a holy God isn't in control. Your, your flesh is in control. Can you remember back to the time in your life when the flesh was really powerful? And the flesh will bring you into passions that will lead you to death. And maybe in this room you say, well, I don't know if that affects me as much anymore. But you know who it does affect? Millions of people around us. The children that are being raised on a generation of being put in front of a screen and seeing things that they were never intended to see. A whole generation of men that are, are more interested in images than real people. A whole world that has been deceived into thinking that sex is for your own gratification and that's it. I mean, we live in a world where this verse alone if we could share it in a loving way, it could bring so much victory and so much healing and so much hope to so many people. Because so many are led by the flesh. They do whatever their flesh tells them to do. They are enslaved in prison to the flesh. And all of their passions, all the passions that they have, are passions that lead them to death. And so we need to recognize that this is true in the church, it's true in the world, that there are passions that lead to death. And so what do we do about those passions? Revelations 2, 4, and 5. But I have this against you. You have abandoned the love you first had. Remember how far you have fallen. Repent and do the works you did at first. And so we have the issue of passions that lead us in the wrong way. But yet there's also, but within the church especially, there's passionless people. There are those of us who have no passion for anything. There's nothing that burns within us. There's nothing that is our goal, nothing that God, that we see God has placed within us that's moving us in a direction. Nothing within us that screams out, this needs to be done, this needs to happen. God has made me for this purpose and I must fulfill it. There's almost a quiet deadness within us. There's an apathy. Well, well, it's just going to happen. What can I do? It doesn't really matter. It's not my problem. I don't really care. And so we have these two issues where we have this fleshly passion that leads us to death, and then we have a passionless life 
where we make no impact and we do not live out our purpose and we're not really living out the purpose of being part of the body of Christ. Our passions are God-given. They're given for a purpose. God does not desire for us to be passionless. He does not desire for us to just sit around and let him do all the work. He's calling us to live out the passions that he has planted in our hearts. And so that's an, we see the problem. It's pretty clear. And we've all known it. I didn't, I didn't tell you anything new this morning. You knew that there's the passions of the flesh that lead to death. You knew that there's a passionlessness that people just kind of coast and try to make it to the end of life. But what does God want us to focus on? What does God want us to live out? How does God want us to have purpose in our life? How can we deal with these challenges and deal with this problem in the way that God wants us to deal with it? Well, Galatians 5 begins us in a good direction. Galatians 5.24 says this, Those who belong to Christ have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. And so what are we supposed to do with those fleshly desires? What are we supposed to do with that fleshly passion? Well, we're told here we're to kill it. We're to kill the poisonous passions. And if you think about it, those passions can still rise up at any point in your life. I remember hearing a story about a man who was almost 100 years old, and he was uh, there in the hospital, and his, his grandson came up to him and said, Grandpa, when do you, don't, when do you stop dealing with the problem of lust? When do, you, when do you get to the age where you don't deal with lust anymore? And the grandpa said, I'll let you know when I get there. Because we all deal, the flesh can rise up at any point in your life. The flesh is still around. The flesh doesn't die out. But we're to kill the flesh. And if we go to the next slide, we see that there's the concept of a snake and it's poison. We see that there's a poison that, that, that's coming at us. Uh, if we saw a snake in this room and it was extremely poisonous, deadly even, one of us, and it would probably be my father-in-law, he would come and kill that snake. Right? Because he's not afraid of snakes. And many of us are. But that snake, if we let it get too close to us, if we let that snake get in our, in our lives and we play around with a lot of these snakes, eventually they're going to bite us and it's going to be a big problem, right? And so the Bible says what we're supposed to do, if I'm a Bible-believing follower of Christ, if my life is committed to Jesus, is I need to kill it. Meaning I can't open the door for it. I can't, like, be I can't put myself in a place where I'm tempted by this snake, I can't put, if, if, if your issue is alcoholism, if your issue is pornography, if your issue is whatever that sin is that's poisonous, you cannot allow yourself into the opportunity of falling into that trap. And so you have to kill those opportunities. So you stop allowing yourself to be at that place. You stop yourself from going to that thing or, or you stop allowing yourself to have that free time. You kill the poisonous passions. You, you can't get close to them and play with them. You can't say, well, I can just deal with it. I, I'm not going to be affected by it. you got to kill it. And every time it rouses its head, you got to kill it again. And if new passions come in, you got to kill them. And that is what we're called to as disciples of Christ. We talk a lot here about being disciples who make disciples of all generations. Well, one of the ways that Christ lived out his life is he never allowed the opportunity to sin into his life. He killed it at every point. He said that he was tempted in every way that we're tempted, and yet he didn't sin. How did he do that? Well, he focused on the word of God, and he killed the temptation. So many people are like, well, I keep falling into this temptation. Well, how do you live your life? What do you do in a given day? What are you allowing yourself around? You can't expect it to go away if you keep getting close to it. And so as a believer, this is what we're called to do. We're called to kill those passions. And now as I kill those passions, not only am I to do that in my own life, I'm to share that with others. 
and help them figure out how to do that in their life. You know one of the most amazing things you could do in someone's life, someone who's struggling with addiction, someone who's struggling in one of these areas, is come alongside and say, hey, let's make a plan together. I will hold you accountable. Let's make a plan where we kill this temptation in your life, and we'll talk to each other once a week or once every other day, and you let me know how you're doing. I'll never judge you. If you fall, we'll get back up and keep moving. Do you realize that's what the church is here to do? We're not here to judge and condemn and put each other down. We're to come alongside and go on the journey. And say, hey, okay, you fail, I fail, we all fail. Let's make a plan to stop failing. Let's come up with a plan. Let's ask the Lord to give us wisdom. Let's ask the Lord to give us an idea what we can do to stop falling into this so we can kill this temptation once and for all. And I share it with you and you share it with me and we come up with this plan and, and we hold each other accountable. And we talk to each other. One of the greatest regrets I believe many of us will have when this life is over is we're going to look back and say, I was too afraid to be vulnerable with someone else. And I would rather live in despair and despondence and defeat than to build that relationship with someone else who could help me move forward in life. We need each other. The whole point of the body of Christ is it's a body made up of many members and each of us are here to support and encourage each other. And so we need to have that accountability. We need to have those friendships. And we need to pursue those opportunities. As someone comes to you in your family and says, hey, I just want to let you know I'm struggling with this. That's your opportunity to say, hey, I would love to come alongside you and help you figure this out. How can we work out a plan to make sure that you don't fall into this trap, that we kill this temptation in your life? And so we need to kill the poisonous passions. But not only do we need to kill the poisonous passions, Psalm 84.2 gives us a beautiful picture. We need to redirect those passions. Passion isn't wrong. Passion isn't bad. Passion is created by God for you to live out your purpose. We see here in Psalms 84 one of the ways that we can live out our passion. We read from the author of this psalm their passion. It says this, My soul yearns, even faints, for the court of the Lord. My heart and flesh cry out for the living God. Can you imagine having that sort of passion every day for the Lord? That today I wake up and say, all I want today is to be in the house of God. All I want to do today is know God more. All I want today is to, to love God more than I loved him yesterday. That I would celebrate his creation. That I would live in a way that when people looked at me, they knew how much I was in love. And my passion was for the Lord and the things of the Lord. What an awesome uh, goal to have in life. What an awesome vision for your life to have. That people would just say, well, that, he's, that person is just overly in love with God. That person is just so thankful for life. They're so thankful for what God has done. They're so thankful for that relationship they have with God. That our passion, this beautiful thing that God has given us, and the right way to use it is to focus it all on the Lord. Do you realize that that passion is never fully fulfilled until you point it in the right direction? Think about how many people are miserable because they pointed their, their passion to lust or they pointed their passion to selfishness because they were never intended to go in those directions. We're only intended to go in the direction of loving God more and more every single day. And our flesh fights, and even now, let's be honest, in this room, our flesh fights the idea of being overly passionately in love with God, that we would be head over heels in love with God. Have you ever even considered the fact that you can be head over heels in love with God? That you can wake up with a new passion, a new desire to serve, 
A new desire to love the way God loves. A new desire to know God even more. A new desire to hear from him in a new way. To say this, my soul yearns, even faints, for the courts of the Lord. My heart and flesh cry out for the living God. Do you recognize that the direction we're going, if you've confessed and believed and you've received the gift of salvation in Christ, the greatest gift is to be in his presence. It's not the gold streets or, or if there's chocolate fountains or whatever your imagine can think up about heaven. That's not what makes heaven heaven. Heaven is heaven because you're in the presence of your creator. And the purpose of your existence is to love and worship and be in relationship with God. And so every single day, do you see how your flesh pulls you away from your true purpose, that your flesh distorts your passion? Or if it can't distort your passion, there's a true enemy that's attacking us at this moment, and if it can't distort it, if it can't get us focused on the wrong thing, do you know what it does to our passion? It takes all of our passion away and makes us passionless. So not only, okay, I'm not, I'm not pursuing the wrong things, I must be okay. No, no, no. It's not about pursuing the wrong things. It's about pursuing the things that God intended for you to pursue. It's about the things that God intended for you to be passionate about. And when you recognize that God has given you this passion and it is God given for a purpose and you begin to pursue that, then all that that you wanted from the world fades away and there's a new life that you can't even imagine, a life that you don't even understand yet begins to fill you. And there's a fullness in life and there's a, there's a fearlessness in life and there's a joy in life and there's a grace in life that you cannot receive by worldly things and worldly passions. And so my encouragement to you is to seek God for godly passions. Having a passion for God and the things of God will transform your life. And ask yourself, if you do not have a passion, why? Why am I not passionate? And if I'm not passionate, do I want to be this way? Is this what I want my life to be? Is this what I want my life to have accomplished and to be lived out as? Colossians 3, 23 through 24 says this, whatever you do, do it from your heart or your passions as some, something done for the Lord and not for people. Knowing that you will receive the reward of an inheritance from the Lord, you serve the Lord Christ. Do you recognize moms and dads when you're changing diapers, grandma, grandpa, when you're babysitting the kids? You're not doing it for an earthly reward. You're doing it because God is giving you the reward. You know, when you're working for your boss and your boss isn't the nicest guy or they, they're not the greatest company to work for, you're not really working for them and you're not even working for a paycheck. Your passion should be for the Lord. And so what you do, you do as unto the Lord. I will do whatever is put in front of me as if this is what I'm turning over to my creator. Do you know how liberating that is? Do you know how powerful it is when you recognize that every breath can be committed in a passionate way to the Lord? From the relationships you have to the jobs and tasks that you're given, that you can focus every ounce of every energy of every piece of passion that you have and you can focus it on the Lord? 
And then you begin to realize, wow, I've been wasting so much time. I've been so passionate about things that don't matter. I've been so devious and, and, and I've been so much off the right track that I, I, I didn't recognize that my passions, everything about me, can be done as unto the Lord. It's not just sitting in a seat on a Sunday. It's not even claiming to be a follower of Christ. It's who you are every single day of your life, recognizing that your passion will dictate every decision you make. Your passion will lead you to the purpose God has for you. If every one of us gets passionate about the Lord, we are going to be a really strong body of Christ. And as everyone comes in, as people join, as new people become part of this body, and we point them to find their passion, one of my encouragement is, is when someone comes to Christ, is find out what your spiritual gift is and find out what God gave you to be passionate about. Some people are passionate about babies and seeing them born. Some people are passionate about the hungry and seeing them fed. Some people are passionate about those that are in prison and visiting them. Some are passionate about helping those in need in our community. Some are passionate about uh, seeing peace in other places in the world or seeing people with clean water. Or they're passionate that everyone would hear the gospel. Whatever that passion is, it's been given to you as from the Lord for a purpose in the body of Christ. And if you do not receive your passion, if you decide I will focus my passion in the wrong direction, <coughs> or I will be passionless, then part of the body will not be working. Part of the body will be dead. And that's why it's not about me. It's not about any individual. It's about all of us. Are we seeking our passion? Are we recognizing that it's a God-given passion? And he didn't give it to us by mistake. I do a class, starting line, where we invite anyone who wants to learn about the church or what it means to be a Christian. And in that class, we get to a place where I say, look, there's two things we want you to do in this church. Two things we expect everyone to do that's a member or body of, of this body of Christ. One is to find out your passion and do it. If you love working with kids, if you love uh, working on the building, if you love whatever it is that God has given you a passion to do within the body of Christ, we want you to do it. Because here's what I've heard so many times as a pastor. Well, I went to a church and they found that I was willing to serve and they, they had me do all these things I didn't like doing. And eventually I got burned out and left. My goal is not the church to become a burden upon you, that you see me at the store and turn the other way because you don't want me to talk to you about the opportunities to serve within the body of Christ. My goal is that you find your passion in this place and you pursue it. And every single one of you has a passion. And I want to do everything in my power to equip you to do whatever God has given you a passion to do. And when you follow that passion and you're here because you love being here and you love what God is doing, then we ask you to serve in another area. Serve in an area of need because we need to do both what we love to do and what needs to be done. And if every single one of us in this church said, I'm going to serve in an area I love and a certain area I need, we would be a strong, healthy body impacting this area, this community with Christ. This is why it's so vital. This is why it's so important that all of us recognize our purpose we recognize our passion, and we use that passion. We allow that passion that God gives us to give us goals, you know, to wake up in the morning and say, you know, not everything's perfect today, but I know what I need to do because God has made it clear. It gets you through the hard times, gets you through the tough days because you recognize that there's a purpose you're here. 
There's a plan. And God wants to use you in a special way. And so are you using your passions for the Lord? I think the first question is, do you know what you're passionate about? What are you passionate about? What do you love that God has given you to love with that kind of love? And so I would say to apply this first, you need to take inventory on your passion. Are my passions in my life directed in the right direction? That's a hard one. What am, when you find out your passions, you might find out, well, one of my passions is really in the wrong direction. Are you willing to kill any poisonous passions? Are you willing to submit those to the Lord and say, God, I don't want this in my life. If you don't want it in my life, I don't want it in my life. Are you willing to say, God, I don't think I have any passions. I need some passion in my life. I need some energy. I need a focus. I need something to get up in the morning and, and move towards. Well, ask him. We're told in James that if you ask for wisdom, our generous God will give it to you in abundance. Like everything, we need to ask God for help. Ask God to help you to have the passion for him. Daily ask for his help. Have you ever asked and not heard? I haven't. It's always pretty clear. God doesn't avoid you when you don't avoid him. And so, are we willing to pursue him when it comes to what our passions are? And then if you know what your passion is today, but, you know, here's what I do, and maybe you can relate, you come up with reasons why not. Well, this and that and this and that and this and that. That's why I can't pursue my passion, because this and that. I think one of the reasons God instills with a passion is that we recognize that passion moves us through the obstacles. If I'm really passionate about it, this little objection isn't going to keep me from doing it. This little wall, this little, this little thing that's in front of me is not going to keep me from doing what God has given me a passion to do. Are you more passionate about the problem that's in front of you or the solution that God has given you? Because if you're more passionate about the, the, the hurdle, then of course you're not going to try to overcome it. But if your passion is the victory that God gives you, you will do whatever it takes to get over that. And so now, what are you passionate about? There's a place there in the bulletin or in the sermon notes. I would encourage you before we're done here, write one thing you're passionate about. One thing in your life you know you're passionate about that God gave you to be passionate about. Because this sermon and us meeting together is pointless. It's actually negative if we don't do something about it. You've not only wasted your time, you've condemned yourself even greater. If we don't take this time and, and really seriously reflect and say, God, what would you have for me? What do you need me to do? How can I follow you? None of this matters unless people become twice born. Are you born again today? If you're born again, who are you sharing the gospel with? Who needs to be twice born in your life? I know that many of us have come to that place in our life where we've repented and believed, but there's a whole group of people that are around us every day that are lost. They've only been born once, and they'll die twice if we don't do anything about it. If we're not encouraging people to look and see what, what Acts has revealed to us, God's word 
Acts 2.38, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. What a beautiful thing, the opportunity we have. If you have no passion, ask God to give you a passion to share this good news. This good news needs to be shared. And as a church, my prayer is that we would be passionate as a church at sharing the gospel at inviting people to begin a relationship, to be born of the Spirit, to know Christ as their personal Savior. And so this morning we've talked about this concept of being passionate. What is your passion? Where is it focused? What are you going to do about it? What's your plan? What are you going to do from here on out? I would encourage you, record something. Record whatever your thoughts are, whatever God's telling you right now. Make a plan and share that plan with someone else. One day, this life will be over, and you won't be able to do this anymore. One day, we're not going to meet on Sundays like this anymore. One day, it'll be too late to make a plan. Don't miss out on what God has for you. Don't miss out on his plan and his passion for your life.